Welcome to the Build Different Podcast. We are your hosts, Bethany and Sarah, and this is the podcast where we dig deep into the minds of fellow real estate investors and entrepreneurs. We pull back the curtains to learn all of the secrets and strategies on the road to success. All right, we're here on the podcast today with Matt Davies. Welcome, Matt. You're not Thank you for having me. Thanks for joining us today. We're excited to chat and hear more about your story and what you're up to. Awesome. So Still. tell us, yeah, tell us a little bit about what you have going on in the real estate world right now. So on the professional side, I'm a real estate broker. I started flipping a few years ago and I have some investments, so like long-term investment properties. Um, on the personal side, I'm married. I have two kids. I have a almost four-year-old, almost two-year-old, and almost born, um, all boys. Almost born. Yeah. All boys. That'll keep you busy. Oh, the world has no idea what's coming. I know. They're like mini me one, mini me two, mini me three. Oh gosh. Better watch out. (laughs) That's awesome though. Yeah. How did you get into real estate? Um, so I was working in a restaurant in La Jolla after, um, I went to college for jazz trumpet performance. No, you did Interesting. <laughs> you guys didn't even know that about me, huh? No, where's your, uh, you should have the trumpet to give us a little performance. But anyways, I went to school for music and then I went on tour a little bit with band. Um, you were like a thing. Yeah. I, was a, like, I opened up for like John Legend and Macy Gray and no even way. like Pat Benatar and... And then I was working in a restaurant in La Jolla. Who are you? And everybody that was coming to this restaurant was like having long lunches and driving the Range Rovers. And I was like, what is it that you guys do? You know, like, and they're like, oh, we're in real estate. And pretty much everybody was in either, you know, they're either a developer or a real estate agent or, you know, somewhere in the real estate space. So I thought that was a cool, you know, hey, might as well try that out. Um, so I got into, you know, residential sales. I started as an agent and sold like six houses my first year. And it was really hard. I tried really hard and didn't really sell too many houses. I wasn't one of those like hit the ground running. I tried really hard for seven months before I sold a house. Um, that sounds about like, yeah, that, that sounds, sounds very normal. reasonable. Yeah. And I know, sounds, isn't it weird when you meet people that are like, oh yeah, I did like 35 deals my first year. I'm like, you're a freaking yeah. agent. I mean, yeah. I, was, I was like 24 years old. I, I mean, I don't know. I was, yeah. Um, so yeah, that's, that's kind of how I just, it was just kind of monkey see monkey do, honestly. How did you learn that first year? Did you have a mentor you were working under? Did, did you make classes or what? I started in real estate, um, working under Luke Middleton. We all okay. know Luke Middleton. He should yep. be on the podcast if he hasn't been already. Yep. We'll get uh, him on at some point. <clears throat> yeah. So Luke taught me the ropes and um, he's actually kind of the one that told me to go focus on North Park, which is funny because he was building a house over there at the time. And I was like, I don't know about this place, Um, but I just kind of gravitated towards it. So you are the North Park Whisperer. Tell us how you got so fascinated by that neighborhood. Um, I really like North Park because it has like 
condos and apartment buildings and houses and duplexes and aplexes and 50 plexes. And, you know, it's just, it has a little bit of everything and there is, it's all related, right? Like it's, it's, um, so I think understanding that market was really fun for me because all the asset classes have relation to each other and all the asset classes sit on land that sometimes is more valuable than what currently sits on it. So I just really kind of enjoy like going down the rabbit hole and looking at stuff from like, like I could never be a realtor that's like, oh yeah, I sell in like this community Same and there's like plan one, plan two, plan three. And like, I'm going to sell it for a lot of money. I'm yeah. more of like, there's all these like little nuances. And if you look at things from all different directions, it, it just keeps it more interesting too, you know? And, and I've sold everything from like big development deals to like condos. And um, so I like having like the, the, just the concept of going deep, not wide. So that that's an area that allows me to do that. And I also like, I have a couple Airbnbs over there. Well, I have two um, properties that have like multiple units on it. They're Airbnbs. And I like to like, have a flip going in the area and then have an Airbnb and then have an Airbnb. So if something happens at the Airbnb and I have people working on the flip, it's like I can send the army over there to like take care of something because I manage my stuff myself. Yeah, that makes sense. Oh, like an economy of scale from from like the North Park thing. And I also, I live in Bay Park. So I don't really work where I live so much, which is cool. So I don't have to like live. I think a lot of the realtor like realtor stuff is very like, tell everybody, you know, walk around a grocery store with like a name tag. And I'm just so anti all of that. Be attached yeah. to like all the hand sanitizers and the carts yeah. and the benches. Yeah. yeah. I'm the, I, I'd rather, I want to be rich, not famous. Yeah. Smart. You were saying about how there is condos and fourplexes and houses with views and houses that aren't worth shit. Um, how do you go about comping those? Because I know for myself, I love comping stuff. Like I, I find like everything you're mentioning um, is very fun to look at, but uh, it's, it's hard, especially when so many of those things in North Park, like as a neighborhood, very subjective thing, yeah, like the views. Um, this one has a Canyon, right. which is great, but like the lot's much smaller. So like, how do you quantify that? Well, this one has, you know, this house isn't worth it, damn, but, you know, you can split it or build like three right. more units because it's so tiny and only taking up limited space. Um, yeah. I think it's just like a knowledge is power kind of thing. And I think I, I stay like really familiar with like what's trading, how it's, how quickly it's going so that when I look at something, it's more intuitive than comping. I'm not like, like I have bigger ranges of like, oh, you might, you might look at something like it's 1300 square foot and go like 10% above, 10% below. I'm not really doing that, but there are things where it's like, okay, like here's a four unit and here's a four unit. So like if there's a four unit and a four unit, um, if, if one of them has a house on it that has the potential to be owner occupied, like it has three bedrooms as opposed to like four little one, one bungalows that's going to always have more value because it just opens it up to a bigger buyer pool. You know, if it's four one, one bungalows, that's going to be somebody that's an investor that's just looking to rent them out for 2250 or something each. And if it's, if it's like three one ones with a front house, it's a four, three or a three, two, 
somebody could live there and house hack and run an Airbnb in the back or have, you know, other stuff. So it, it's very nuanced and it's kind of, I think over time, it, it's just, it's, it's a intuitive thing more than it is about comping like on the actual data, you know? And, and I think there's, there's profit in the ambiguity of things because you can kind of push it like, well, Somebody That's says, well, true. it's not worth 1.6 million or it's not worth 1.5 million. And like, well, explain to me why it's not worth 2 million. You're debating um, now though. Yeah. But you know, I think people, you know, in the sales process, when people have questions, it's more so like unraveling the knots in their head or untying the knots in their head. And if you can be conversational about, oh, well, did you see that one that sold for only this price? You walk in and you're, you walk straight into the kitchen. It's really weird floor plants. Like the pictures look good, but if you actually walk it, it's like right on the street or, yep. you know, there's a big building next yep. door. There's, it just, it's all in the nuances mm -hmm. in neighborhoods like that. So you're right. There's and, like, and also you can post some sweet deals things. when some out of like out of towner has a, you know, a listing that say they're, they're just looking at it like a single family house and I'm looking at zoning and I'm looking at, the big backyard or the flat lot. Or I also know that, um, you know, maybe there's a bunch of clay over there. Maybe there's a fault line. Like there's a fault line that runs through like Hamilton and Georgia North park. And you don't want to buy something like sight unseen if you're planning to build something because you might have big problems. So like when you're looking for deals, are you looking for something specific, like a, a certain type of zoning first, and then you'll search for houses that way? Like or do you have... Yeah. Or do you have like leads coming to you, just general addresses, and then you'll analyze each deal that way? I'm like quick to say no to stuff. Like if you sent me a deal in Santee, I'd be like, that's just not for me. When I look at deals, I'm, it's more, I'm looking for what I'm looking for. Not I'm, I'm looking to be like, it's again, it's like deep, not wide. So my buy box is kind of like anywhere in Metro San Diego that has two to four units. I don't really like flipping single family because um, it just seems sketchy to me. Like if you get stuck with it, you either have to write a check to get rid of it or you're going to rent it to somebody and that's just that's stressful. Uh, everything I have has more than one unit on it. So if I could buy something that has two to four units existing, I, I bought one in City Heights right now that I'm working on and it has a bootleg garage conversion, but it was done very well. And so like, there's, like a panel, there's no gas line. It's like, it's done very well. So I'm actually submitting that as an as built ADU. So it will be a legal permitted structure and I'll add, you know, 400 square feet to the tax roll. Yeah. I want to see some of like your rental remodels or Airbnbs. Cause I, I feel like I might've seen them, but mm. I know I always save all of your flips that you, uh, Mm. on ig and social media because nice. they're so aesthetic thank you yeah i've i've uh i've done a few and it's you know how it is when you like do a project you're like i love that i'm gonna do it again and then you're like i hated that i'll never do that again if i help <laughs> this i'd like rip that up and redo it um yep. <laughs> so, yeah you know there's a I don't pretend to be like a designer. I, I like hire designers to help me out with stuff and like help me make like templates because i know it's not my forte. It's just not something I focus on. Like I respect the people that really focus on it and do like a really good job of it. I just get, it's kind of mind numbing to me at some point. So I, I try to like template the same things that, that work. Yeah. Well, I think 
hiring a designer is just like you talking to one of your associates or like me or you or like one of somebody else that you work with and being like, hey, can you comp this house for me? And let totally. me know what you think your return, like if you think this is a good idea. It's the exact same idea. It's just two like people just collaborating yeah. on something. Some people just kind of get like in their ego about that. I've noticed, you know, like they really oh. want to, they want to, um, they want to like be like, oh, I designed it, I did that, and they they really like attach their ego to to the outcome, you know, mm-hmm. what it looks like. I so just I ask- just. I just ask everyone on Instagram, like, you like this one or you like this one? <laughs> yeah, no, you helped me out with a door color. Remember that once? I, I was like, uh, I did it on my project on Herman. I think so. It was that like blue and that blue. like That, that was going to say blue. Yeah. Was it like a really dark blue though? That Darkish grayish blue. Yeah. I forget what it's called, but I, I was doing like, I call the white and black houses, you know, where it's like white tra- white body, black trim. I call that live, love, love houses now. <laughs> Because it's just like, it's already kind of passe, like everybody's doing it. So are you looking mostly to hold properties now then? Or are you still looking for flips and other types of deals as well? It's a balance. I'm I'm kind of always trying to like rebalance that because I want to buy, like, I don't have any partners. Like I just, um, I don't know, I never wrap my head around that. Um, so I want to buy like one long-term hold a year. And I want my flips to kind of fund that. And I want my, you know, real estate commissions to fund that too. Mm-hmm. So it kind of keeps me in those three activities. Yeah. So buy the best, sell the rest, you know, and if there's future. Buy the best, sell the rest. I, yeah, that's, that's, the broker's, broker's, that's the broker's creed. That's one of your questions, right? Like what's oh, yeah. that you live by, buy the best, buy sell the rest. I like it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What do you find to be the most difficult or challenging aspect out of everything that you do? Hardest part, probably managing construction. Mm-hmm. In what aspect? Like the people themselves or deciding uh, like what to do and how to go like, about it? No, like what to do and how to get to go about it is something that I'm, I like. It's a process, right? And you arrive at a decision. But the managing construction is like, it's difficult because it's a trade-off, right? They say like quick, good, cheap, pick yeah. two, yeah. right? And I, after last year, because I had like a few of them going on at the same time, more than I've ever, I had like eight projects going on at the same time, Ooh, which I've wow. ever had. And oh, no. I, was, I was like, I don't care about price. I care about good and quick. Hire a professional the first time. Yeah. pay the full price and you know you'll have somebody that's legitimate that you, you know you'll just save yourself so much extra like messing around you know and, and this past year like I, I fired a project manager who I thought you know he did one deal for me and it was like the cheapest deal and the quickest deal I've ever had and it was pretty good like quality and it was city heights so then I gave him like three more all at once and then gave him three like you had him do one and then you gave him three well, he was project manager, so he has like different crews, right? right. And, and guess what? Guess where the third crew's coming from? Like he's just picking them out of thin air. Like, hey, come work yeah. here, come work here, come yeah, work they're here. Not, I mean, uh, but ask your brother if he crew, wants to come and work here, and I'll show. These guys him how just to have like a shelf life, you know. So like the flip thing is so hard because you need kind of like generalists. You need people that know how to do like drywall electrical plumbing and and i don't know it just seems like that's how we do it but it's just so much better 
like I'm my own GC on this flip that I'm doing right now because I hired the demo guys. I hired the plumbers. I hired the roof guys. I hired the electricians. I hired the insulation guys and I'm, I'm doing it right. You know, like we're in my garage. I built this ADU in my backyard and um, like I hired a legitimate GC. It came in like on budget, which is crazy, like crazy concept, right? Like yeah. on budget, a couple little change orders that were like all very reasonable and um, high quality, like licensed, bonded, insured. It, it was it was that um, intersection of like cheap, good, and um, and uh, fast. fast. So it, you know, I don't know. We can have it all, but that that's the hardest part. What do you what do you think uh, the best uh, return on your time is? in terms of growing your business? Uh, I think for me, the best return on my time is finding deals, you know, cause you, you make your money when you buy, you know, if you, if you buy a good deal and I don't only like doing that though. If I had to do that five days a week, I don't know if I would be as productive. Like I, I, I feel fortunate to found real estate because I'm just kind of like all over the place and it's a field where all over the place, as long as your intentions right in the right place and you have yeah. all these kind of ancillary activities that are feeding the same thing, like real estate brokerage feeds to like finding a deal feeds to like meeting contractors feeds to like, you know, me- meeting other people that flip houses that might find it. Like most of my deals come from people like you guys where they're like, Hey, like, I got this old house in North Park. It's not really for me because I don't want to deal with like the plaster and like this is I just like I know it's gonna take a long time and like I just like uh like if you if you like and just I'll I'll buy it from them, you know? Yeah. So that's how most most of my deals come about. Yeah. It's a big I think it's a a gentle balance between being discerning and knowing what you want and being laser focused on that, but also giving opportunities enough consideration in order to like vet them but not like you shouldn't be underwriting like every single deal like all the way to like the finish line but you should be kind of like like see if it sparks your interest and then go from there yeah you know I, i think it's important to have like localized knowledge on something you know but it's more of a commercial real estate thing i think where somebody might buy some land because they know that there's a plan to do like a trolley and they're going to imminent domain is going to come and they're going to buy this land from, you know, so there's, there's all these little creative plays. All of this, sorry. All of that just speaks to experience though. Yeah. You know, yeah, but you have to have your eyes wide open for it. Yeah. I think um, that's what makes our industry so fascinating or what we do because every day is something new and there's always more happening and different ways that we need to evolve. So I asked you the most challenging part of the business. What do you find to be the most exciting or your favorite part? Um, <laughs> I think I just like the aspect of things being project based. You know, you there's a beginning, a middle and an end for the most part. And I like that we can have like, okay, like last year I completed X amount of flips or, you know, like we, we went through there, like we, change things and and there was a physical manifestation of you know the deal we did the money we put into it the time and effort we put into it and and now somebody's like living there um i just like the i like the that it has its own you know i mean if you're a politician right you're just always 
I guess that's project based too, though, if you're trying to get like a bill through. But yeah. there's some jobs that don't have a, you know, these, no these markers of like, okay, like I bought a deal, I've worked on it, and then I sold a deal. Yeah. I like it. Or I refinanced it and I held it. Yeah. Or I, it's just, it's quantifiable. And, and I like the people. I think it's a really cool industry where there's a lot of um, like low key people. I would say I really like all the people in San Diego that do real estate on a whole, like everyone that's kind of in our circle of like mm -hmm. people. It's just a good group of people. Yeah. Like, for the most part, they're good people. For the most part, they're hardworking people. For the most part, it's like a cool circle. People are doing cool stuff. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I agree. It's fun to be around it's people. Cool culture, like sharing and, you know. Yeah. Similar mindsets. Well, that's why I wanted to start this podcast because we had so much fun with all the networking events and meeting such interesting people and people who share the same visions and same kind of growth mindset. So um, it's been really fun to just continue those conversations in this capacity. We hope you enjoyed that podcast with Matt Davies. Be sure to tune in next time for part two as we dive even deeper into big picture vision and goals. Connect with us on Instagram at built.different.podcast and matt.davies.sd. We'll see you next time.